Welcome to the Deepers Creepers podcast, where we like to get high and watch horror movies. Thanks for tuning in this week. I'm Casey. And I'm Jess. And today we're going to be talking about the one, the only, the iconic, The Shining. Well, I hope we don't overlook any details. So we are talking about The Shining this week, uh, which is something that probably everybody knows about. I mean, even non-horror fans, even if they're too scared to watch it, they have heard of The Shining. Uh, Part of that comes from, it's written, it was uh, originally written, of course, by Stephen King. He is, he's a master. You know, I am a huge Stephen King fan. I grew up with him. Um, And of course, everyone knows his name. Even if you don't read his books or watch his movies, you know who he is. Uh, another big part of that comes from Stanley Kubrick, who is also iconic, a master director. I but mean, also a very controversial director. Yeah. With he, his methods. He uh, has definitely been known to torture his actors during, you know, just putting them through the ringer during production. And that is something I'm sure we'll discuss a lot during this one. Definitely. We have a lot to talk about on he that kind of traumatized Shelley Duvall a little uh. bit. <laughs> I just, I, it breaks my heart even hearing her name, yeah. honestly. I get I get cold chills. Yeah. I just feel so bad for her. Yeah. She's been exploited and, so much. I mean, it's perfect performance, truly. She absolutely nailed this role. Because to she a was team. legitimately terrified. But again, yeah, I don't, I will never condone directors abusing their actors for the sake of the craft because yeah. there are just so many stories of just amazing directors that get these great you know performances i mean just a moment ago before we started recording jess and i were talking about the 2020 um invisible man and elizabeth moss performance in that is incredible and everyone just talks about you know how amazing of a director lee 1l is and how great he is to his actors and you know i think that means a lot you know that that really it takes a special kind of director and yeah kubrick wasn't wasn't always the best kind of person, but man, he made some good fucking movies. Yeah. Well, anyways, let's get back to, uh, let, let's let's talk a little bit more about The Shining and, you know. Yeah, um, so, came out in 1980, obviously, um, the original book was written in 1977, I think, so just three short years after Stephen King's book was published, um, you know, he came out with this iconic movie, and... It was 1973 that King originally came out with Carrie, which was his first book. So just to think in those four short years, and I know there were books in between that I can't think of, he came out with two of the most well-known, I mean, horror figures, but well-known movies also. Absolutely. (laughs) Because, I mean, De Palma, you know, I love De Palma's Carrie. I think it's amazing. Um but when this movie first came out, it definitely got a lot of backlash. Um, the uh, response was very divided. Because there's Stephen King's The Shining, and there is Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. And they are very different. They share the same premise. You know, it's a family, a mom and dad and a son going to a hotel, and the dad tries to kill the mom and son. But a lot of the details are very different from the book. Um, I love them both. But yeah, very, very different. And also, I think a lot of people were riding on the high that was 2001 Space Odyssey. So people had this kind of certain, um, you know, they really wanted to see something like that again from Kubrick. Mm -hmm. So I think that there was a lot of pressure on his part to put Mm -hmm. out something that was going to blow people's minds as much as that. Mm -hmm. And I think for people watching it, at least the first time fell short. Absolutely. But, I mean, yeah. getting getting and into obviously, more later. Obviously, you know? it was reappraised in later years, and it's appreciated <laughs> appreciated much more. as yeah. a classic as it should be because it. I mean, you know, the people who liked it back in you know when it first came out, and a lot of people still to this day say it's the scariest movie they've ever seen. Yeah. And it's still there are parts of that movie that are chilling. I literally have chills right now. Yeah. I literally. (laughs) I love. It's not like five minutes ago. I love when art can do that to me. Yes. Um, So yeah, I mean, we will kind of go through the plot a little bit um, just to kind of 
help us talk about certain things and themes. Uh, but I mean, most of you guys know it's The Shining. You know, most people know what happens, but we'll go through it a little bit. Um, you know, that opening, the music, it just gives me all the feels. It just, as soon as you hear that music, it just puts you right where you need to be. And that, like, like the helicopter shot over oh, the beautiful yes. landscape, just oh, gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. You know, them driving their little little bug. And Kubrick's use of colors throughout oh, the whole movie. Absolutely. Like, everything was intentional. Yeah, and um, I don't know, have you, did you, you say you haven't seen Dr. Sleep yet, correct? Not yet, it's on yeah. my list. <laughs> um, there are only two shots in Dr. Sleep that were reused from The Shining. Everything else was reshot, so, like, flashback scenes. Um, and one of the scenes that was used in um, the uh, in Dr. Sleep is that drone shot. And it's changed from night to day and from grassy to snowy. That's amazing. Yeah, I so love that. when you watch that, you'll be able to look out for that scene, and it's the exact same drone shot because they're driving back to the hotel. Because one of the major differences from the mo- book to the movie in Stephen King's book, uh, the Overlook Hotel blows up in the end. Um, the boiler explodes, and the hotel explodes, and uh, Jack dies in the hotel. Okay. And the three others get away, and obviously in the movie, that does not happen. Right. He gets his little frozen, goofy frozen face that I love. Yeah, you know his toes are cold. Oh, yeah, well, he's got <laughs> a lot his of... His face looks like that. He's got a lot of cold going on right there. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Um, one of the it's things an that... not an Audi. <laughs> one of the things <laughs> about this movie is it is one of the most analyzed movies of all time, partially because of Kubrick and, you know, a lot of Kubrick fans that are... I want to say Kubrick apologizers, basically. <laughs> um, think he can do no wrong. Any um, flaw you can find in a movie, any continuity error in any of his movies, they will say it was on purpose and they'll find some kind of theory for it. There's an entire documentary called Room 237, which I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with because it's pretty big. Uh, Jess watched it. I've seen it before. It is that shit crazy. The, the, um, I love a good conspiracy theory. I truly do. And this one has... Like, no shit, like, ten. Ten different, like, views that people have yeah. about The Shining. And it's, like, it, crazy that it's that controversial and talked about. Yeah, there are several different people throughout it that give their interpretation of what the movie is. Some people, uh, you know, relate it back to Native American genocide. One person relates it to the moon landing. Um, it's The Holocaust. The Holocaust, yes. Just so many crazy things. And I, I love those kinds of discussions, but that movie is... A little crazy. Uh, one of my favorite things about that documentary is you get um, really awesome layouts of the hotel's structure and the impossible structure of the hotel. Yeah. Because I think that's something – and I do think that a lot of these things with the impossible structure were intentional on Kubrick's part just to kind of make the hotel a little spookier. And one of the one of the most noticeable shots, I think, of the impossible layout of the hotel is very close to the beginning – when Jack is headed back toward the office to have his interview, he is walking down a hallway and we're behind him walking with him. And he is about to turn left down the hall to the office, which is right there. As soon as you turn, he's going into that office. And if he were to keep walking instead of going down that hall, there is another hallway that people are going in and out of behind that. But when he turns left and immediately steps into that office, behind the desk is a window with scenery. Yes. And it's just that impossible layout of that window shouldn't be there. There's no way it could be there. Yeah, and people were really upset about the window. Yeah, the window, of course. Uh, that's definitely the most noticeable that anybody who's seen this, you can, you know, you can pinpoint that really easily. And I do think that's cool. And I think that's, it could possibly be Stanley Kubrick doing something cool with that it could have been a continuity error yeah but you will never get those people to admit that yeah ever ever uh we've talked about shelly duvall's performance are you familiar with what the razzies are vaguely the raspberries award yeah so they give out the worst of you know every year uh this movie not only was nominated but won worst director and worst leading actress of 1980 shut up Shelley Duvall has had it bad, man. Like, this poor woman. She didn't deserve that. Neither did Kubrick. I'm sorry, worst director. Worst director. That was the worst directed movie of 1980. 
Fuck off. A clockwork, Fuck off. A Clockwork Orange is one of my absolute favorite movies so ever. Good. And so, it's just so crazy to, like, like, I got to meet Malcolm McDowell at a convention, and I went to a Q&A panel he did. Um, yes, I died a little. It was incredible. Of course. I dressed as a druk. He said he liked my costume and his little charming British accent, and I was like, Grandpapa, love me. <laughs> <laughs> it was adorable. Oh, so but, uh, that's so cool. It was amazing. But I got to sit down in a Q&A panel he did, mm-hmm. and he was talking about his experiences working on a set, multiple movies with yeah. Kubrick, mm-hmm. and... He said he was a he was a mean son of a bitch, you know. Like he's just intense, and yes. uh, it was just really cool to get to meet someone who yeah. actually has worked closely with him. And I would say, arguably, Clockwork Orange at least one of the most controversial movies of that time. And absolutely. I would say to this day, people still reflect back on that as absolutely. Like he yeah. he makes movies that make people think. Oh, for sure. And I just I I can't believe that he got that kind of it's critics man yeah fuck them yeah I, absolutely <laughs> and the razzies are completely pointless and they i mean they're just stupid honestly i get they're they're like fun fun you know stupid funny thing but what are we children like well and on top of that it's like they don't ever pick the worst of anything they're just picking something you know whatever because because the crowd didn't get it exactly it's it's stupid <laughs> um so there's a scene kind of that we just sort of uh touched on when jack is in his interview with the hotel manager to get this job um there is a lawyer uh bill is that what we decided his name was i think we heard yes. bill uh so he's like a lawyer i assume something for the hotel and he is sitting in an armchair next to jack and i i love that it's jack nicholson and also uh Jack in the movie because I can just call him by that name because right. Shelly I will probably call her Shelly Duvall through the whole thing and then Danny is Danny in real life too. yep mm-hmm. um in this scene Bill is his his facial expression doesn't change the entire time he's in this movie he's only in this scene and the scene the next scene where they're walking together um he looks so pissed or I don't know if it's anger or stoic or just scared but when I was younger, I always thought, like, what is this guy doing in this scene? Is this a bad actor? Is this, do I just not get it? And honestly, I think it's just a warning, basically. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, it's like foreshadowing. It, yeah, it's just, and I think he's literally just got this face on, like, don't take this job. Yeah. And he's, you know, it's kind of a warning to the audience, too, and because he's just got this look on his face and just doesn't Stoic. change, and he doesn't really say anything. And it's funny because the camera pans you know, or switches over to him several times and it's just on his face, but he doesn't say anything. I think that's cool. I agree. Jack Nicholson has crazy face. <laughs> All the time. Permanent crazy face. Um, I think it's hilarious the way the hotel manager describes the tragedy because he says, you know, our guy ran amok. <laughs> chopped his family up. And it's like, I'm sorry. Are you a politician? Uh, I, is... I wrote down a muck because I was like, what a what a choice of words. He ran a muck and uh, killed his that's chopped like, his family up. That's like pieces. devaluing the whole situation. Oh yeah, it's, he that's ran why a muck. That rascal. He just chopped up his whole fucking family. I feel like it's the politician's way of like like coding oh, something, sugarcoating, Sh- it. sugarcoating yes. it to be like, yeah, he just he ran a muck. No, he chopped up his little girls and his wife with an axe. Yeah, you know. In air. Blood everywhere. <laughs> uh, so I think this is when we get our first shot of the blood elevator because Danny's in his bathroom and he's talking to Tony. Um, I find Tony uh, very interesting in the book. Um, he is very much, feels like an outside source in the book and just kind of feels like Danny's own mind in the movie. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's just kind of my thought on that. And again, I, I I read the book this year, and I absolutely love that novel. I think it's so incredible. I think anybody who hasn't read it should go read it. And we're finally, eventually, even, uh, introduced to Dick Halloran, who is played by Scoutman Crothers, and I love yes, him. Dick Halloran. Dick Halloran <laughs> is so great. Um, that's when we finally learn... 
It's called The Shining. The Shining. And he tells <laughs> Danny, you know, Dick Halloran tells Danny, his grandma, he and his grandma used to shine all day. They'd have full conversations, you know, without opening their mouths. And I love that we really don't get any full explanation for what the shining is or what it is to shine. Um, it's very vague in the book. A lot of people just kind of call this stuff, you know, it's just, it's Stephen King magic. You know, a lot of his books have these kind of things without any explanation. It's like, yeah, it's just Stephen King magic. Yeah, honestly, I didn't even, I didn't even realize that, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. but I definitely think there's so many themes of foreshadowing in this movie. Like, this is one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, when there is, like, knives in the background when you see O'Halloran talking to Danny. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like, it kind of, like, makes sure that you are looking at those. Because they're just... almost pointing down directly in Danny's head. Yeah. Like, because they're right above. Yep. I mean, they're behind him. But the way they're pointing down against the wall, it's almost, like, if they fell, it, it would, you know, it wouldn't actually go in his head. But that's the way it's pointing. Yeah. And um, this, I think, is an interesting scene from behind the scenes, too. Because, as we've stated... You know, um, Kubrick, not great. He did, and there are, uh, di- you know, different people say different numbers, but somewhere around 130-something takes of that scene in particular between Danny and Scatman. Um, because Kubrick will take dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of takes of one shot until he gets it the way he wants it, right, wrong, or indifferent, He's going to get it the way he wants it. And that's one of the things that makes him so insufferable. <laughs> but right. um, it really, this role really broke down Scatman Crothers because he was not really that much of an actor. And a lot of people talk about the trauma that Shelley Duvall went through because she did. She was in the hospital, in and out of the hospital during production. But they would break down uh, Dick's actor, Scat. Um, he would cry on set. Because he would just be like, please, please, I cannot do this shot again. And later in the movie, um, when Danny is sending the message to Dick to come and save them, and Dick is in his amazing room with these awesome posters of these naked ladies. <laughs> uh, and I want those posters. Um, we'll get you those posters. Yes. We'll get, we'll get them. It was, you know, something like a hundred something takes of that, uh, of just that shot of it's zooming in. To his face of, you know, this horrified look on Dick Halloran's face. And it's another one of those scenes where, God, just so many times. And that can really fuck somebody up, especially for someone who's not used to that kind of production. And I don't think he ever acted after that again. I don't know how much longer he lived after that, but. It's really sad. I hate that he dies in the movie because he lives in the book. Aww. Yeah, he actually, he saves the two of them in the book. Oh, um, that makes me sad. And drives them away, and then the hotel blows up, and that's what actually kills um, Jack in the book. Um, it's, uh, and part of that is because there is no maze in the book. Oh, okay. Um, which was one of my favorite parts of the book. I think it was an incredible change for the movie. Um, instead of having, like, the maze outside, they had these hedge animals and some of the scariest parts of the book are these hedge animals coming to life, but they only come to life when you're not looking at them. So the second you turn your back, they move, and then the, as soon as you turn back to look at them, they're in different positions, but they're frozen. And it's just very, very tense scenes of this. Love those scenes in the book. That is so cool. The CG would not have been there in 1980. Yeah, that makes so sense. So it would have looked awful. It would not have aged well. I would have hate. I would hate to look at that nowadays. Yeah. But, so I think that the maze was an amazing, <laughs> maze, <laughs> maze, uh, <laughs> maze, I think it was, a, I, I think it was a great, uh, change that Kubrick did, uh, because that maze just looks daunting, like, they got that, that, they have one of those big helicopter shots where you're looking down on it, and, man, I'd get lost in there. Kubrick got lost in there. Oh my god, that would they be They would maddening. put him in the middle of it, because he said it wasn't, um like convincing enough like it wasn't as a good enough maze and they put him in the middle of it and he got lost haha suck it cooper suck it just kidding anyways (laughs) this is like where we see uh danny riding his trike down the hall and kind of where we start to get our introduction to the twins right 
Yes, yeah, we do see the twins. And another cool thing about those shots, uh, the sound design is amazing of those when he's running over carpet and then wood and then carpet and then wood um, in his little plastic bike. And those shots were shot with a steady cam. It's called the steady cam. And the cool thing about it is it was shot by the inventor of the steady cam. Those, sh- those scenes were. And it's basically like this thing that's attached to you that you mount to. Um, yourself basically and when you're walking it doesn't shake or anything that's awesome and they can get those long tracking shots that's so so cool yeah i uh i do want to shout out and say that i've learned so much about film and come to appreciate film in a different way because of another podcast which is definitely my inspiration for wanting to do this and um and then Jess came along and she already had all these awesome ideas for the podcast. And then I honed in on it. Um, but shout out to the Dead Meat podcast. Don't know if anybody listens to them, but they're incredible. Amazing. And um, yeah, I learn I learn a lot from that channel and they just make me want to learn more. So that's why I'm such a nerd about this shit. <laughs> but also I'm just a Stephen King nerd in general. True. Um, but yeah, we definitely get that uh, creepy and iconic shot of the twins holding hands. Come and play with us, Danny. Forever and ever and ever. Stay and then play forever. right after that, he's sitting on Jack's lap. And Jack's like, I wish we could stay here forever and ever and ever. Ugh. <sighs> really uh, <creepy. laughs> so I was saying earlier, Jack Nicholson has crazy face. And that is because I do love this movie. I think it's basically a perfect film. Uh, my one issue... Because I am not one of those people that, you know, if it's not exactly like the book, I hate it. Um, I'm totally fine changing things for a film. But one of the things that I did not like about this change is that Jack Nicholson's performance is, it starts at 100 crazy and it ends at 100 crazy. There's no like... In the book, he starts out as a very loving father and a normal man who is just going through some shit and the hotel really does possess him and fuck him up. And I just don't get that in the movie. I just feel like he is batshit crazy and hates his family from the get-go. Yeah. And it, the like, hotel just exacerbates the shit out of it. I mean, you can tell, like, how afraid Danny is of him. Mm-hmm. And, like, it maybe hints at, like, some physical abuse in the past. And which then you see that does. more later. Yeah. You know, but and obviously that did happen. He dislocated the shoulder, which happened in the book too. But you don't get that fear from Danny in the book. And you do in the movie. Oh, you can truly see the fear. And you can even see it in Shelley Duvall's face. She's very much trying to make it not a big deal when she's got her cigarette ash. Which yep. is so funny. Hilarious. That is the most tense scene of anything. Yes. <laughs> um... You know, she keeps smiling through it, but you can tell it's fake. She's like, you know, he just used a little little too much strength and broke Danny's arm. And everybody's trying to kind of brush it over. <clears throat> and I obviously that makes it worse. Yeah. But you can definitely see that they know he's not right long before they get to the Overlook. Oh, yeah. Long before. I do love the first scene when he goes into the bar and, you know, I'd sell my soul for just a glass of beer. Yeah. And I have felt that before. After a long day of work, I just, you know, I'd sell my soul. <laughs> after fell, fell off the wagon after five miserable months. Yeah, well, that's what happens when... <laughs> um, five miserable months. Like, damn, he really does hate his fucking family. Yes. <laughs> um, so we finally get to room 237. Uh, we finally get to see what's in it because Danny went in. And then I I think it implies that Wendy went in there and saw some crazy shit. That's why she comes running to Jack. I kind of hate that we don't get to see what she sees. Yeah. Because um, we don't get to really have any insight into what Wendy knows until the very end. When that bear is sucking that guy's dick. <laughs> and she, they're like, you're not invited. They just look at her like, you're not invited. Why are you staring? Uh, <laughs> shit is wild. The shit is wild. Um, but this is uh, where a lot of those conspiracies come from is this room. And one of my favorite conspiracies to come out of this movie and one of the most batshit crazy ones is that this one man believes that this movie is Stanley Kubrick's 
confession <laughs> to f- to filming the, the moon, moon landing. landing. <laughs> and he even says in the documentary, I'm not saying whether or not we went to the moon. First of all, we did. Don't argue with me on that. <laughs> um, he said, but, you know, he's saying, I'm not saying whether or not we went. I'm saying that what we saw was faked. And I have to just sit and laugh. <laughs> and, you know, I get a lot of, like, the way they describe it in the documentary, I'm like, you know, that makes a lot of sense, but you're still, you still sound crazy. Because, like, at one, you know, right before Danny goes into room 37, he stands up with his Apollo 11 sweatshirt. Yep. Very good coincidence. Um, 237, I guess, is the distance between here to the moon, 237 something or another. I don't know. I didn't fact check that. <laughs> um, and I guess there's um, a little bit of controversy and uh, not quite... Nobody, a lot of people aren't quite sure exactly the reason that it was changed, uh, because in the book, it's um, 117, room 117, and it was changed for the movie, and for a long time, people said it was because um, the Stanley Hotel, where a lot of it was filmed, had a room 117, but they didn't have a 237, they were afraid people would want to stay in the room, and then I guess later it came out, or somebody said that there wasn't a room 237 so that didn't make sense i don't know i'm gonna tell you guys right now stanley kubrick did not film <laughs> a fake of the moon landing but yeah i loved i've loved hearing that though because i like i said i'm i'm into conspiracy bullshit yeah i think it's so funny but like it's so interesting people saying that like that was this film was a reflection of his guilt yes. for doing that and tricking the people but and his people guilt also, for native american genocide because of like the calumet you know cans yeah, and stuff and it's like no he was just a Indian, very um like the native american in the background yes yeah in a lot of the shots and like yeah, yeah i get that but also he's just a very particular director and i mean he was a genius he really was and people say that it could have also been a nod to 2001 space odyssey yeah that too you and know? i believe that a lot more yeah that makes way more sense <laughs> he was a genius but he was not crazy or he was crazy but he was not he wasn't that <laughs> he wasn't perfect i guess is what i was trying to say right um when jack finally so there, when jack finally goes in a room 237 uh <laughs> there and I don't know why I've never noticed this. The uh toilet to the left when he walks into the bathroom, obviously everyone's looking at the hot naked lady that's coming out of the tub. Right. Naturally. <laughs> uh but off to the left there's like a toilet and it's just the toilet part. There's no like tank on the back, which whatever. But the flusher, the little flusher for the toilet is up on the wall like so high up. <laughs> like, you definitely have to stand to get it, so no, no courtesy flushing at that toilet, no, for sure. No, And I'm just like... Unless you have really good aim. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so I don't know what that's about, but I noticed that for the first time, because I wasn't busy looking at titties. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, when that happens. Yes. Uh, this is one of those scenes you can see Kubrick... He spends a lot of time on certain things. You know, this scene goes on for a very long time. They move close to each other, and it's just, it's very, very slow, and, you know, sometimes I just don't get it, but whatever. Normally, I am fine with those kinds of scenes um, that take the time to do those kinds of things, but... As I've said before, I don't think Jack's character development and the movie is all there. And Kubrick, I think, is definitely the kind of director that focuses more on themes and the way a scene feels than the source material itself, which is totally fine. But to take something like The Shining um, and do that is a little strange. But yeah. I digress. Like I've said, I love this movie. I'm going to... You know, I'm going to have my issues with it, but it's a great movie. And for everyone who says this is their favorite movie, I get it. Yeah. You know, some people say that's basic. You know, when people are like, oh, it's, you know, my favorite movie is The Shining. That's fine. This is a good favorite movie to have. Yeah. Um, he, so Jack is angry dancing 
down the hall. And then he goes back into the bar room and they're throwing him a little pity party. <laughs> little 1920s pity party. All just for him. Good for him. Oh. And then uh, that's when, um, oh, the butler guy spills all the stuff on him and he has to take him to that red ass bathroom. Oh, Mr. Grady. Mr. Grady. And he's looking at him and he says, you look familiar. Do I know you from somewhere? He's always been the caretaker. Yep, and he says, uh, <laughs> you used to be the caretaker here. Oh, no, I don't think so. Yeah, you uh, you went crazy and you chopped your wife and girls up into little bits. No, you're the caretaker. You've, You've always, always been the caretaker. I know, because I've always been here. <laughs> Creepy. Creepy-ass scene. I love that scene. Yeah. Um, just... Again, just great direction and just a very chilling scene. I think that bathroom is designed very well. Um, and I know we've mentioned it, but I love all the shots of the blood elevators. Just, oh, yeah. Holy hell, how iconic. So I mean, amazing. Unbelievable. All the weird stuff that Shelley Duvall sees when she's running around. The bathroom scene, which I'm sure we'll get to. I know we're jumping ev around everywhere, but... Like we said at the beginning, this is The Shining. You guys know what it is. Right. <laughs> We're just doing this our way. Yeah. I do think it's funny that uh, he, <laughs> that Jack is, you know, he walks into this little pity party. He's totally fine with everything happening. All these random people that are there. And he's walking around with his drink that's clearly not in his hand. You know, he gets spilled on. He goes to the bathroom. And then all of a sudden he's uncomfortable because it's Grady. And he killed, you know, he knows he killed his wife and kids. But you weren't uncomfortable with all the other ghosts that right. were in the ballroom. Right. Completely out of nowhere. You know there should Lloyd's, be nobody in your hotel. Lloyd's fine. The bartender's fine. This guy sucks. Right. What the fuck? Grady, how dare you? You weren't invited to this party. What the fuck? <laughs> that, is a, that is true. Because <laughs> how, are you, how are you not freaking out already? Yes. Um... So it's pretty much after this that she's got her little bat and she finds um, his manuscript and it's all just all work and no play. Oh, yep, yep, yep. Makes Jack a dull boy. And I think we have to mention the typewriter that switching colors. How yes. it started as white, mm -hmm. but towards the end of the movie it was like a dark gray color. Mm hmm Yep. And, like, there's a scene where a chair just disappears. Yep. And, again, all these things could be chalked up to continuity errors, but there are people out there who will say... It was him slipping into madness. Yep. Uh, that They will say it was on purpose by Kubrick, and he did that for specific reasons. Whatever. Think what you want to think. <laughs> um, I can't help uh, in this scene particularly to think of the um, Simpsons shining uh, Treehouse of Horror <laughs> episode. Um, uh, no beer, no TV, make Homer something, something. <laughs> Go crazy? Don't mind if I do. <laughs> I still love that episode. I still watch all the Treehouse of Horror episodes I every year. I love The Simpsons so much. We, I have two Simpsons tattoos. And I have a Simpsons tattoo myself. <laughs> um, one of the cool, actually, one of the things I don't think I like about the changes from book to movie is, uh, Jack is chasing them around with an axe which is fine in the book he's chasing them around with a roke mallet which is a lot like um croquet and uh in the book he beats the shit out of wendy with this like he because they're like kind of fighting back and forth she's trying to get away from him at one point he smashes her leg with it oh my god he smashes her shoulder with it he hits her in the head with it it's this very long scene and she is getting her ass whooped with this thing Jesus. and obviously the axe is very iconic and it's easy to make that a scary th object in a movie um but i think it would have been kind of cool to keep the roke mallet and let them have more of a little bit of a fight because wendy just knocks his ass right down those stairs yes and even jess mentioned that fall that fall is hilarious. It I love is. I love stunt work like that. I I will always always respect stunt artists. Um, and falls like that, it's like Jesus Christ. Why she is she holding the bat like that too? Good fucking question. Wait, wait, 
Like, what, bitch? I'm sorry. <laughs> respectfully. Bitch, respectfully, because we love Shelly Duvall. Um, <laughs> what are but, you like, doing? How do you not know how to hold a it, bat? It, she was she was slipping into fucking madness, man. Poor yep. girl. Real life, the end of the movie. And that's part of it, probably, is she wasn't even fucking focused on the bat. She's like, I just want this scene to be over. Yeah. Can I go home? Yeah, and that's, is that when he gets, um, when does he get locked in the coolers? Is right it? after that. Because yep. she knocks yep. him down the stairs, knocks him out, and then drags him in. One thing I will say, we have said a lot about, you know, Shelley Duvall and the way that these actors were treated. Shelley Duvall has said herself that she respects Stanley Kubrick and admires him and is very happy with her performance and the way that the movie turned out. Um, So I think that that does say something. But again, we're never going to condone actors being manipulated or mistreated mistreated because for the sake of, you know, a performance. But I think that does that is worth mentioning that she... You know, she does still love and appreciate, you know, Stanley Kubrick. Yeah. Um, so this is, uh, you know, this is when the climax of the movie starts happening. We get, we're getting these chases around, you know, the hotel. Wendy's running away from Jack. Um, a lot of uh, Stephen King's initial hatred of Stanley Kubrick's The Shining because it, for a long time... It was the only Hannibal, Hannibal, <laughs> Hannibal. <laughs> Sorry, my dog is once again needing attention. And He's cute. I'm trying not to giggle. Yes. <laughs> oh, what was I going to say? Oh, um, so uh, one of the things about Stanley Kubrick's version of this movie, a lot, if not almost all of the movie, um, all these supernatural type things that you see, other than The Shining itself, can all be chalked up, chalked up to Jack's declining mental state. I mean, because yeah. we never see uh, Shelly reacting to it. We never see Dick reacting to any of it. Danny always sees shit. He's just a weird kid. True. <laughs> Most Stephen King kids are in his books. Um a lot of it could just be, man, Jack's just seeing this shit. But when he's locked in that freezer and Grady unlocks it for him, that's pretty definitive. Yeah. That he's not just crazy. That's true. And yeah. a lot of people, you know, have pointed that out. And I just think that that is interesting because without that, a lot of people, I mean, you could read this movie or his version of this movie as Jack's just crazy. It has nothing to do with the hotel. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess until... Because Wendy does eventually start seeing things. But up until that point in the movie, it's, you know, if you didn't know anything about it and you went in completely blind to the movie, if you somehow could, um, you know, you might think, oh, he's just crazy. Oh, he's just super fucking crazy. Well, even with the Wendy thing, I think since she doesn't really start seeing things till kind of later in the movie, it could be like explained as like a ptsd reaction and you're right or absolutely, a mental like a mental health issue she doesn't see any of it until after her bathroom scene which yeah. is the most iconic thing yeah and that is i mean can you think of something really more horrifying than being trapped in a bathroom your husband's trying to get in with an axe and you don't have your son with you no no you really can't and yeah. i mean I don't know if you knew, but the Here's Johnny line was actually improvised by Jack Nicholson on set. And didn't they, like, when they were filming, not tell Shelley Duvall, like, exactly what was happening? And that's, like, her fear is, like, so genuine. Well, and they shot, yes, initially. Um, And when they shot that scene, it was over, like, three straight days. Oh, my god! So Shelley Duvall was in that state of screaming and crying for three straight days. Jesus. And that's just not easy on anyone. No. <laughs> that's not going to be easy on anyone to act like that for that long. Because production took the better part of a year, I want to say. And I mean, like, the uh, yeah, the actual filming part of it did. And that's that's really long for a production. Yeah. And, you know, Shelley Duvall is in a state of panic for most of it. So not that would, good. That would fuck you up for sure. Yes. Um, I think... Uh, this is not a controversial opinion at this point. Um, so the shot of him with the axe where the camera is following it back and then it follows it to the, you know, door and follows it back. That shot is incredible. Mm -hmm. One of the greatest things of all time. I love it. Please, if you are making a horror movie, 
stop referencing that shot. <laughs> Please. It was in the new Texas Chainsaw that came out this year. Oh, it was. It is in everything. It was in Freaky. It was, and there are also there, the other shot that I think needs to stop as a reference because in so many horror movies is when Jack is right up against the door and it's that shot underneath from his chin and you're looking up at him from underneath. It was also used in Freaky's. Please stop. It's not original. It's, we get the nod. Just stop. How many nods? How are going to get dizzy with yes, all the nods. exactly. Just stop. There Don't are, be a yes man. There are other, and the <laughs> thing is, like, there are other cool horror movie shots to reference. Stop that one. Stanley Kubrick did it best. Leave it alone. I agree. Leave it alone. Um, what, uh, poor Dick, poor Dick Halloran. Like I said, he lives in the, in the movie, or in the book. Um, poor Dick. He goes all this way. And he just got there. And just immediately. Uh, I, I, I don't know when I noticed this, but in the last few years, <laughs> when Jack Nicholson takes the axe to him and he has it, like, in his chest and he's kind of, like, wiggle it a little bit. Ugh. I swear to God, it looks like Jack Nicholson does, like, a raspberry, like, a little... <laughs> <laughs> and I just... <sighs> I, oh, God, that scene is so chaotic because he just comes out and just, ah, just screams. Oh, my God, yeah. He's, like you, like you said, 100% crazy the entire time. And that's uh, a really cool shot because, I mean, not much in this movie is jump scare. Stanley Kubrick is not a jump scare horror. Um, he's obviously psychological horror. Oh, he wants 100%. to get into your head. But that is a jump scare because it is quiet for so long and then Jack Nicholson just screams at the top of his lungs and there's like that cowbell in the background. <laughs> it's terrifying. More cowbell! <laughs> but really, that part is, it's scary. Yeah. Yep, and then uh, he eventually follows Danny outside, of course, and we're getting our little maze run and he is just reduced to nothing but just He's not even saying anything. He's just full-blown. He's just an entity of the hotel at that point. Yeah. I don't think there is any Jack Torrance left in him. No humanity at all. None. I don't think there is any soul of Jack Torrance left at that point. Because he is just holding his little coat together and just limping. and just Imagine how terrified you would be if you were Danny. Oh, my God. Oh, and he's it's such a smart... When he's, like, doing his little tracks, and then he realizes if he backtracks yep. and then wipes it away, that is smart as hell, kid. Yeah, this kid is smart. Yeah, because then he just follows his own tracks back out, and, oh, yeah. I And I also, I really like that kid actor. I think he did a very good job. That is a huge role for a kid. And when, I think we forgot to mention earlier, when he was, like, seizing mm-hmm. and, like, foaming at the mouth. Yes. Like, that was traumatizing. Yes. Watching, like, because that was the scene where, um... Jack was making out with that woman, yep. and then she started decaying, and like, I think before him. I think uh, it's implied that Danny is not only seeing those images, but that's when he's sending them out to Dick. Oh, yeah. And, um, yeah, I think that that's a really well-shot scene. Um, and it's so Just because it's creepy. It's, yeah. Yeah. Um, in the book, when he sends that out, instead of, like, getting actual... He does get a little bit of, like, scenes and images, but it's, like, a loud, blaring, like, strike to the head, essentially. And Mm -hmm. it's, like, boom, all of a sudden. And, you know, a lot of people complain when books or when movies aren't exactly like a book, but you have to change certain things like that to be able to be adapted to a movie. Yeah. Or it doesn't make sense in film form. Right. Um, which, you know, is one of the hardest things about adapting a book to a movie is you're going to have that criticism and you're going to have a lot to change. Um, one of my favorite current horror directors is Mike Flanagan. He does a lot of Stephen King stuff. He did um, Doctor Sleep. He did Haunting of Hill House. He did Gerald's Game. I think he's amazing. I love Gerald's Game. I would love to revisit Gerald's Game because I've seen it once and yes. I remember it being... An extremely tough watch. Yes, absolutely. And yeah. it was called Stephen King's unfilmable book for a long time because 
the entire novel is just a woman laying handcuffed to a bed by herself. Mike Flanagan did an incredible job with that movie. Um, he also made Hush, which I don't know if you've seen. I love Hush. He did that. And uh, Kate Siegel, who is the actress in that movie, he's married to her. So they made that movie together. That's awesome. I and love I, that movie. I think that is a great movie. Yeah. Um, that is something I'd love to cover. because. It's just got so much going on. The sound design in that movie is incredible. I love point of sound hearing. Um, it happens obviously a lot in um, A Quiet Place and A Quiet Place 2 because you go back and forth between uh, the deaf girls hearing. Yeah. Um, and that happens in this movie. I just... Tangent, obviously, but that's going to happen on here. <laughs> <laughs> um so, yeah, and then, of course, we get our famous ending. You not only see uh, Jack Nicholson's uh, frozen death face, <laughs> which is just a jarring thing to witness the it's, first time. Yeah. I, I can't think of a whole lot of other movies where someone's just frozen to death. Probably The Thing, but that's yeah. just because I think Frozen Tundra when I think of The Thing. Yeah, absolutely. I love that um, movie. But, yeah, we, of course, then get... And I still... I. I kind of do love the ending of when we're zooming in on that picture, the 1920s Overlook Ball. Yeah. And Jack Nicholson's right there in the middle of it because you've always been the caretaker. Right. <laughs> um, but I do. I think it's – I think if somebody did that shot today as an ending, if somebody ended their movie like that today, I'd be like, God, that's so cheesy. But I think back then it really worked. Yeah. And I think for them, that movie specifically, it's like, oh, shit, that is – pretty fucking crazy yeah you know and uh i would love to um recreate that photo with a huge group of friends on like a new year's eve party or something that would be super and fun. just like have everybody kind of dress like that and do like a big shot Roaring like that 20s yes i think that'd be so 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 awesome yeah um do you have any uh other initial thoughts i know we've talked a lot about um room 237 i definitely it is a bat shit documentary but it's um, worth the watch but it's definitely Absolutely. worth the watch especially if you're somebody who likes to get into the analytical side of things somebody who likes to get into if you're ever in a literature class or a philosophy class or a film class anything like that um and you were interested in it it is you know uh one of my major complaints about that documentary is specifically one person that relates it a lot back to the book and says, you know, these things weren't present in the book. Stanley Kubrick made it for the movie to show this, that, and the other. And I'm going to tell you right now, that's not true. A lot of the <laughs> things that this guy says that weren't in the book were were very, very present in Stephen King's novel. That is my biggest complaint about that documentary. Believe all the conspiracy theories you want, but do not, do not try to t take away from what Stephen King did in that book. Because... She'll fight you. I will fight people. I She will. I've I, seen it. I love Stephen <laughs> King. I have two full shelves of his books. I have four tattoos referencing his stuff. He, I have a shining ski mask. It is really awesome. It's, it's not got, nearly as cool as all this. She just said <laughs> She does, though. She has a little ski mask with the the carpet print on it. Oh, we should post a picture of that. Yes. We can. Yep. We can take some pictures. We are going to be doing a promo shoot next week, yes. week with our uh, good friend Katie, who is a photographer. She's going to be doing some cool shots of those. Uh, so look out for an Instagram that'll be popping up. Uh, yes. We'll be posting that and letting you guys know what the uh, at is so you can follow us. We'll be posting pictures of us as well as um, guests we have and our unofficial puppy mascots as i have my hannibal and jess I, has i have my uh steel and leroy they are our unofficial yet official puppy mascots yes and, and we will be posting lots of pictures of them as well and i'm sure you'll probably always hear a little bit of them in the background because you know how pups need attention <laughs> they were always the care puppies yeah oh <laughs> <laughs> okay that's kind of precious <laughs> um but yeah so um this is kind of, it was kind of a daunting movie to uh, sit down and try to analyze because it is one of the most analyzed movies of all time because it's so iconic and there is so much to unpack. Yeah. We left out a million things, obviously. Um, personally, I would love to hear 
our listeners' thoughts on this movie. Yeah. If you have any of your own conspiracy theories on it, if you think um, <laughs> any of the ones that we mentioned are particularly batshit crazy, if you have really strong feelings, or just any, you know, strong thoughts about the movie, things that we missed, things that you'd like to bring up, um, we would love to hear all of those. You can DM us, DM us at our Twitter uh, at Deepers Creepers, or you can email us at uh, deeperscreeperspod at gmail.com. We would love to read all of your thoughts on this. Absolutely. And uh, just one quick thing. Um, next week is going to be our episode where we have our first guest, and that is going to be my friend Kelsey. And we're going to be covering the absolutely batshit crazy cannibal holocaust, guys. So you're going to want to tune in next week. For our first guest feature, but absolutely not the last. No, we are definitely looking for more guests. If we have any listeners listeners out there who feel very particular about a certain movie, reach out to us. We'd love to have some more guests eventually. But yeah, um, we always want to try to give you a little heads up of what we'll have coming next week. So you guys have a chance to, you know, revisit or watch for the first time these movies. Um... I do understand anyone who may not want to visit or revisit this movie. It is a very difficult watch. Absolutely. So go into it, you know, knowing that it's with it's caution. a little hard. But <laughs> Proceed with caution. It's just, it's a very polarizing movie, but it is a very important movie for the genre. And it deserves to be analyzed and broken apart and broken down like any other movie. Absolutely. And I mean, the found footage genre, like wouldn't be what it is today without this movie. So we can't discredit it, you know. Absolutely. You know, we'll have our issues, but I'll have good things to say as well. Of course. Um, And it, you know, it. like I said, we're really excited for that. So we hope you guys are too. Yes. We love you all. We are so happy for all of the support. Um, Like I said, look out for some promo photos we'll be doing. Feel free to reach out to us with comments, questions, concerns, and any requests, of course, for movies. Or just tell us how cute we are. We like that, too, and yeah. also how cute our dogs are. Yes, especially but, that. <laughs> but other than that, uh, we look forward to you guys tuning in uh, next week. Stay spooky. Bye, guys. Bye. Did you get those eyes? So I think we're in pretty good shape to tell you about the Shing. Shinin.